Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, your host and author, Caroline Foran. I'm joined again this time by Linda Barry, who is just a really brilliant Irish career consultant who such a straight talker she's full of advice very practical very pragmatic and I had her on the season before on the show before and we talked about general career anxiety such as feeling directionless not knowing whether you're in the right role not knowing if you're on the right career path or how to make a change which a lot of us felt we were facing during COVID and we we started to question a lot of you know big life things such as our jobs such as how we spend our time this time we're drilling down a little bit further into more specific workplace anxiety so the day-to-day things we're dealing with in the workplace such as career conflict uh, with a with a colleague conflict with a manager managing upwards managing downwards burnout and handling massive workloads how to communicate difficulties with your manager um, and imposter syndrome which is a huge thing we try to tackle a lot of topics and a lot of workplace anxieties in this one episode and Linda as always brings such really brilliant wisdom and to every problem and she has a solution for everything so I hope you get something from it I certainly did I wish I could go back to myself and apply what she says to my working life when I was in my mid-20s certainly um, and I think I would have the anxiety I would have experienced would have been far it wouldn't have grown arms and legs to the extent that it did um, had I had this kind of insight and this kind of confidence um, to speak up for myself and, and know what is right for me um, but we get there and uh, yeah hopefully you will get something from this and thank you so much for listening and for your reviews and your feedback I appreciate it as always Linda Barry, career consultant. I'm so happy to be joined by you once again. We got such a phenomenal response to the last time we recorded where we were helping people 
navigate with their anxiety with like career where they are with the career the lockdown maybe people are questioning things so first of all thank you so much for for that amazing episode it really it really helped a lot of people that was great no it was it was really good chat and thanks so much for having me on again um, I think that a lot of people found um, it helpful because I suppose we were all sitting at home with all of these thoughts of anxiety maybe around your career but it was nice to have a chat about it and hear um, two people talk about it who kind of can feel the same sometimes. Absolutely. So this time I wanted to have you back because I wanted to kind of just drill down a little bit more into more specific day to day anxieties. So less less macro, more micro, but no less significant. You know, I think we've covered the anxiety about I don't really know if I'm in the right role or the right sort of career path. This is more, okay. I'm I'm in a job and I'm trying to deal with the day to day anxieties that come up there. So maybe you do feel like you're in the right job, but you're dealing with conflict with, you know, a manager or a colleague, or maybe you're dealing with imposter syndrome, all these different things that are so common and really can trigger a lot of anxiety for people. And then you bring that anxiety home. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Brilliant. Fantastic. I asked my Instagram followers and my listeners in general where most of their anxiety stems from. And I was, I guess I wasn't really surprised to learn that 62% said it, it stems, all their anxiety stems almost entirely from work-related issues. So whether it's workload, working too much, burnout, uh, or, or dealing with, you know, a difficult boss or some kind of conflict, that seems to be the biggest source of anxiety in people's lives. And it's not just, it doesn't just stay within work, it spills over, you know, when you start to experience, this is what happened to me, you know, stress for too long, it starts to, to give rise to more kind of chronic anxiety that then affects other areas of your life so when you're at home it's not like oh well I'm not in work now so I feel fine it's it just it kind of just bleeds out into every aspect of your life and can be all consuming so it's a major major topic and I guess there's only so much we can get through in one episode but what do you find with your clients is the most common source of anxiety within the workplace that's popping up? I think, to be honest, um, it comes down to I get a lot of feedback around management, you know, styles that that don't work for them or that it's, you know, work overload. But I would say the number one, and I've done a few corporate talks on this, is imposter syndrome in the workplace. So it's because I think it's escalated because we've spent so much time with ourselves and our own thoughts that a lot of people have a complete, you know, they've almost um, thought their way out of um, into a misperception of how they are, you know, their capabilities how they feel about their performance. And the thing about it is you're not actually kind of passing your manager in the corridor where they're like, oh, hey, Jane, that was an amazing email or hey, John, that was a fantastic pitch. Um, So you don't have that validation piece. So that's really what's missing. Um, But I would say the conflict in work has probably subsided because people are not literally next to each other in the office. Um, But I do, you know, that still can exist over Zoom or just virtually. But I do think imposter syndrome is definitely the number one that I've seen. We'll get back to imposter syndrome. But just you mentioned there on on the workplace conflict, I, yeah, I imagine, I suppose the, the picking up on different tones in person has come way down. But for me, well, I have always worked for myself so well for a long time now, so I don't really know if, if I'm the best candidate to talk about it. But I feel like so much can get lost in translation over email. And some people have different styles of writing emails. Some people are, you know, very direct, very to the point, whereas I would be the kind of person that would flower everything, cushion it in, in nice terms or, you know, an exclamation mark here or there. And I guess you're really trying to convey in an email that you're you know, I guess it's, it comes back to people pleasing and wanting to be liked. And when some people that's not their style, it can it can cause a lot of anxiety in you and that you think you've done something wrong. So how, how can someone, I suppose, separate their style of communicating virtually 
or in person with allowing for other people to have their own style and is there a common ground that we should we should try for yeah that's a really good point a lot of people are saying you know oh the tone of emails and you know if there's not a full stop or if there's a comma or a dot dot yeah. dot or whatever it would be so what I would suggest is to try and you know not do you try and stop yourself from judging it initially which I know is really hard it's kind of like a thought trying to stop the thought impacting you but just look at the email and try and break it up into like three sections. So one being what is the actual point of the email here? Like what's maybe the task or the response? And then if you're, yeah, and leave the tone to the very end, if you possibly can. So if you find yourself going into that zone of looking at emails and feeling like um, you're getting a reaction or the impacting you, just go to the three steps. So first of all, what is this email about? What's the actual main point of the email? Second of all, you know, put it onto your to-do list. So start putting it in as an action point around, you know, am I supposed, is there a deadline or whatever it is? So start moving it into like a more productive space. And then if you still feel you're being impacted by the tone, I would suggest, you know, try and say, okay, that's my reaction to the email, which I know this is all very hard because these are words, but why don't I just give this email or the tone the benefit of the doubt? Obviously, if you're getting, you know, really harsh and aggressive emails, that's obviously a different side of the coin. But we do have to kind of check in with our own reaction as well as maybe the the kind of email tone. So I would suggest, you know, whenever on Zoom, if you look at the person and see if that's consistency, consistently their communication style, because they may not know. They might be very like quick emailer or they could have a lot on and just send out like a flash email without any consideration around tone or empathy or compassion so I think if you can take those steps to just compartmentalize it in a little bit um that's that's kind of like a good start but of course again if it's quite aggressive and you feel like you know someone's literally targeting you that's a story which we'll probably get into in in this a uh, bit further but I would just take note of the emails and maybe create a folder and start putting them into a folder so that you can almost put them to the side and say look I'm going to deal with that in a while um, or I'm going to take note and see if there's patterns it depends really on the level of impact it's having on you but also the level of communication style um, whether it's aggressive or not in the email. Okay and we'll, we'll definitely get into that now if, if it becomes more of a, a real apparent conflict but you know, sometimes I've found that it helps me to to almost take the emotion and the the color out of some of my emails so that I don't feel like I'm giving so much and not getting it back. So, you know, instead of always using the word just like I'm just wondering, it just puts you in a subservient position and just like you to just bring it back to the to the facts of the matter, saying this is what I'm emailing about and be kind and be, you know, have manners and stuff. But you don't need to necessarily almost open a conversation with or, or, or put yourself in the back foot and almost have an apologetic language about you just from from, from the get-go and um, do you think it's worth people who are anxious about tone looking at their own tone and, and they're trying to overcompensate and, and look for more feedback from people when maybe that's just it's it's actually creating more anxiety for them yeah I definitely think it's worth you know noting checking in I wouldn't like overanalyze your tone because you obviously want to be natural but for me, sometimes I can be quite business like that's just from a young age working in, you know, as a receptionist back in the day in college, I had to be very business like. So I've had to personally learn how to maybe soften that a little bit and, you know, tailor it to the different kind of um, people that I'm working with. So what I would say is if it's something that is bothering you or something that you feel like you struggle with, I would just take note of maybe other people's styles. And if you get an email and it really resonates with you in a positive way, it makes you feel good, but it also gets to the point. I'm not saying copy the, the email or use, but just use it maybe as a template and say, okay, 
they opened this way, they concluded that way, and then the meat of the email might be something else. So it's really about, like when I was in recruitment, they taught us not to be like, hey, how are you? I hope you're really well and having a great day. It's like you had to get to the point, like, hi, are you going to be hiring this candidate? Whereas in another circumstance, you want to open up with a little bit of warmth. So it's about finding that balance. So what I've done is kind of over the years, taken note of different people's email styles and anything that I felt made me feel Um, you know, that it was business enough, but it was both soft as well. And you got a little bit of a glimpse of the person because at the end of the day, right now, emails and Zooms, they're kind of the only way you can see how you're working with someone and get a glimpse of someone's kind of way. Um, And and again, that can follow on to like working with clients or how you are on a team. I think that's a really good point about taking note of the email tone or the 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 word the written word versus how that person is maybe on a zoom or in person when we when we do get back into office case scenarios um so i guess what happened what's happening there with people is it's a common anxiety mind trap called personalization where they take someone else's tone or or someone else's bad mood maybe someone else's something going on and instantly make it about them and it's not in a a selfish way it's just an anxiety tendency that people have and i have it too where you you think you've done something wrong so that's something you can work on from a cbt angle as well so let's talk a bit more about the conflict so if you are let's just take a um an employee who's getting a lot of negative vibes from their manager and they're feeling really anxious about it and they they pretty like they're pretty sure that their manager is is taking issue with them but maybe being a bit passive aggressive maybe not being very nice to them how should someone in the position of being not on their level I guess approach this How, how can they dissolve that anxiety how can they actually address it is it something you want people like I can't imagine just saying just forget about it for me it would have to be something that you would try and face head on and and get to the root of and try and move past but how to do that is the question yeah yeah I mean there are ways of doing it and it can it's actually one of the ones where people really do feel lost they feel like um they they really struggle because it's like oh it's a manager like who am I to speak up to a manager and it doesn't have to be this kind of fisticuffs conflict conversation. It can actually do, be done quite subtly. So what I would do is, as I say, like whether it's an email or in person, just maybe start taking some notes. First of all, your side. So there's two sides. There's yours and theirs. So what what is what are the impacts on you? Why is it impacting you? Was it a specific word? Is it a tone? Is it, you know, there may be um, rushed communication, like take note of what it is that's impacting you. And then on the flip side, take note of what the manager um, is actually doing so that you have a bit of a case should anything kind of escalate. So what it is, is it's trying as best you can to just give it a bit of time to understand the patterns so that you can kind of break them down and then work with them. So because sometimes we can have a heat of the moment reaction Sometimes you can be really right and just be afraid to do anything about it. There's so many different reactions we can have. So it's trying to remove the bias and maybe the emotion a little bit and just get to the facts of what's actually going on. Um, I would also try and, you know, maybe try and get to know the manager. I know I kind of repeated this a minute ago in a, in a better way around, are they like this in meetings? You know, in other words, not trying to personalize it or is it just you being the targeted person? And then if you feel it's um, an option, I would just, um, the only reason you really want to take note is if something really escalates and you want to get other people involved down the line. But initially I would just maybe say, you know, I've noticed a couple of times you've sent sharp emails, like I'm happy to, you know, say that maybe I'm taking them some way, but I just wanted to communicate to you that that doesn't always 
maybe work for me or it makes me feel X, Y and Z way. Whatever you do in terms of homework around how it's making you feel, maybe map out how you could communicate that to them so that they have an understanding of where you're coming from, but you're not delivering it in an aggressive, targeted way. Obviously, if they react, like it, it, you're going to get two reactions. One could be defensive, one could be empathetic and actually three reactions. One could be um, really aggressive. So you kind of almost have to feel it out a little bit. But it's about, first of all, putting yourself in the best position where your your impact is as least as possible. And then second of all, trying to manage it with your manager through communication. If that doesn't work and it gets more aggressive, then, you know, you want to maybe evolve HR people down the line which I know is the route you want to try and avoid which is why you could take those couple of steps first okay here's one for you and this is something actually I think I've experienced myself and this is someone messaged me saying my manager is awful so I feel I do a lot of her job but I'm anxious she thinks I'm undermining her um I've definitely had experiences where I felt that you know in order to show your ability and your worth in your job you want to speak up with your ideas and you know be vocal and 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 bring ideas to the fore yet sometimes someone who's above you might be threatened by that or feel undermined because maybe they have an insecurity and then it's like where do I draw the line between like staying in my lane but also want like I want to do a good job I want to show that I have good ideas and wanting to progress if you're not in an environment where that kind of development is encouraged and and sadly this can happen a lot in a very female specific environment I've had a lot of message messages from people saying they've had difficulty dealing specifically with with female heavy management which really saddens me to hear um, and that's a, probably a whole other conversation but let's try and tease that one apart about you know wanting to express interest and enthusiasm and ideas but also then someone reacting as though you're undermining their authority yeah, so it's, it comes up in an interview initially when people say, you know, sometimes you have to manage your questions um, so that you're not looking like you're trying to take the person's job. But yeah. to be honest, and this is going to be pretty blunt, ultimately, we all have to look after ourselves. As long as you, you know, there's a, a very great line between being cutthroat and wanting to get on. And if you're someone who has an appetite to get on and you have ideas and capabilities, you know, it's you're kind of obliged to yourself for your own personal development and professional development to put that out to the universe or put it out to the table on the table. So it's about doing it. I mean, you know, an example of this is like you're not you don't want to go into a meeting and like override your manager and show them up. You obviously have to do it in a very kind of subtle and um, I guess a, a thought out way, but I wouldn't not do it. So it's about kind of mapping out, okay, what are my ideas here? What are my plan? Maybe set up a meeting, put them to the um, on the table because a lot of managers, some may be intimidated, others might really welcome it, but you can't kind of own that or control it. Like it's not really something that you can forecast. And if you have those ideas and you want to share them and you think they're to the benefit of the business, like if a business doesn't understand that, well, then maybe that's not the right um, seat or, or culture for you. Um, but yeah, it's really about the way you deliver it, the timing. And, you know, you can do it in a way where you say, look, I've been thinking about this and I'd love to work with everyone on these points. So just wording it and, and you know, saying in it from a point that you want to develop yourself, but not necessarily overriding or undermining someone else. But if you have ideas and they don't like at the end of the day, you're going to be getting on anyway. Who's to say that you won't pass out a manager in time? Um, everyone has different wants and needs for their own career and you just have to kind of look after number one. Yeah, I mean, when when I experienced it, it wasn't even a case of me wanting to pass someone out. I didn't even have that in my head. I just had it in my head that this is a really good idea. This will make everyone like we're all working on the same thing. We're all working towards the same goal. So 
I was surprised that it wasn't welcome. It was more of a politics thing. And that's something since I've been working for myself, like the politics element of it has has gone. I mean, there's a lot of other anxieties working for yourself, but the politics is largely for me was the biggest source of anxiety. And it's just that interpersonal stuff in the office can be or, or virtually can be really, really difficult. Another anxiety that people said again and again was being in meetings and especially now being on Zoom where people feel the need to throw their two cents in their speak up even though they didn't th- nothing to say and then they get get social anxiety and you know maybe they they're, they're afraid of being judged by their superiors if they don't speak up this is the flip side of the other thing where it's like well you're not doing enough you're not coming up with enough ideas social anxiety is a whole beast in and of itself but um what would your advice be for someone who's feeling who who's being anxious going into meetings whether virtual or real and how to find your voice in a way that doesn't create more anxiety so there's two things at play and you're you you'd be familiar with one of them so one of them is you know sometimes you don't have a voice because it's a lack of confidence so you know the way when you're in a classroom let's say back in the day and someone asks a question and you're like god I've been thinking about that question for 10 minutes why didn't I just put my hand up I thought I'd sound silly so I think that it's important for you to come away from the meeting feeling satisfied with the participation piece so it's about hopefully if you can at all prepare like five or ten minutes before the meeting so that the knowledge and the the I guess the confidence in what your question is or what your knowledge is will actually give you a voice but then there's a separate issue that if in general you just really struggle with having a voice well then you know there's things like Toastmasters there's public speaking um, classes you can do and I'm, I'm not saying you know go out and spend a load of money on just finding your voice but I think you kind of have to map out which which outcome is going to give you the most comfort if you genuinely feel like you're not comfortable on zoom you know you can just disclose that to your manager if it ever comes up and just say look I'm happy to email afterwards come up with an alternative where maybe you're still getting your point across but it's not under like duress or like a, a platform that maybe fe- makes you feel uncomfortable now in some jobs it's unavoidable so that is something that I do with clients as vet like if they are absolutely petrified of presentations and all of a sudden you're going into a sales role where it's going to involve pitches you kind of want to ask yourself like how much of a percentage of my day am I going to be triggered so it's really kind of mapping out your comfort level balancing it with the the business objectives and the kind of needs of the job and then just finding a way to communicate and maybe find alternatives to be able to participate where you feel like you know you're not not participating but yet you're not out of your comfort zone either yeah I think people feel a lot of pressure in meetings to to say something that's contributing like to give information whereas I think a sign of confidence can be to really just ask a question and say oh like can you tell me more about that or can you go over that again or, or what's this about just even if, if it's just a matter of getting your voice out there just to warm yourself up just even asking a question for more information or seeming interested or curious about whatever's being discussed is a way to kind of bridge that gap and and I guess cut the ice for yourself break the ice for, for your own anxiety just to say something and also like it's really for me the whole idea of allowing yourself to be vulnerable in work or to say you know I'm not sure about this can someone bring me up to speed that is not showing weakness that's showing confidence because you're willing to identify the gaps in your knowledge which we all have um, and then it helps you all work more collaboratively towards a solution towards everyone understanding better that what's going on so sometimes just as simple as asking a question or seeming curious or interested or engaged can be the, the tiniest thing that makes a huge difference for you and, and also how you're perceived. Yeah, 100%. It's again, zoning in on your comfort levels 
and you know coming away from a situation I, I do think you know sometimes we can all blurt out something without meaning it uh, just for the sake of feeling a silence we're very um Irish people are very into that but also I do think in a meeting it can happen and you're like oh my god what did I just say and that just makes you feel like double worse so I think just taking a breath and saying if I honestly literally don't feel like contributing today or just I'm not able to just allow yourself to be in that space whereas if, if the next time you say okay maybe if I prepare a little bit or if I just get a bit more comfortable maybe I'll get to know these people a little bit more or just get to know what it is I really want from the meeting then you're kind of putting the ownership back on you so it's not about you saying something for anyone else it's actually you participating for yourself to either gain knowledge or feel more comfortable or just to be able to you know be an active participant in your role. Okay let's talk about burnout this is a major major source of anxiety and it's not just it's not anxiety about maybe the specific work they're doing, but it's literally, it's a, it's a result of working too much and wearing down the part of our brain that is able to do work well and able to sleep. And we're just, you know, we drive ourselves into the ground physically at a, at a biological level and then we experience anxiety. It's such a massive issue. I really hope that it's, it's the, like cultures are changing, um, but I'm not sure. I guess I'm out of the I'm out of the loop on that but yeah so it's such a massive topic but let's try and, and, and tease that apart a bit and see like how how can someone approach burnout in an environment where it just seems par for the course? So you really have to listen to yourself you know it's very easy to um, you know you know when you're approaching burnout or at least you definitely know when you've arrived there so it's about um, you know putting the kind of focus back on yourself and actually saying okay what's going on for me here? Have I dropped the ball in terms of my plan or my routine in my day? Have I dropped the ball on exercise or on, you know, balancing the actual balance part of my day? Because a lot of us think, you know, you take a, a lunch break for an hour and they think, yeah, I'm, I'm really balancing, but you could be working nine to nine. So an hour is redundant when you're working those hours. So it's really about making sure that when you're planning out your day, if you don't plan out your day, I would first of all recommend planning your day so that you actually have a non-negotiable couple of breaks in your day and that they're active breaks so what I mean by that is that you're actually away from work doing something else um thinking about something else talking about something else um so I think it's really important to just acknowledge and try and find the routines that work for you and make sure that you I mean that can evolve over time you're not going to do the same thing every day but it's important to really put that into place and make sure that it doesn't really subside and that it can even be at the start of the year saying right I'm going to take two weeks off at this time you know, planning out whatever time off work you actually um, can, you know, you're able to take. Um, but also then on a daily basis, actually having those breaks in place, um, you know, getting up from your desk, taking a bit of a walk and making sure that you're also in terms of workload, not just saying yes all the time. So that's yeah. another thing where people can be really confronted with, oh, you know, they're overworked. And I think we've all seen that in lockdown because we literally had nothing else to do. We all just sat at our laptops and worked because otherwise we were just sitting there doing nothing. So I think it's important to bring back in all of the balance that you possibly can and that works for you um, so that it's not all like if you're going to spend four hours in work, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of time balancing and maybe split it up into whatever works for you. It depends on someone's schedule. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would someone go about communicating their need for boundaries, though, with someone who wasn't receptive to it or in a job where it's just seen as, you know, well, if you're if you finished at five, you're not doing anything, which I, I really hope is something that's going to be, you know, done with eventually. And, you know, that will be more about productivity than, you know, the amount of time chain you spend chained to your desk. But if, you know, everything you said there sounds wonderful for someone who has that kind of autonomy, who can sort of decide how their day is going to be spent. But what if you have a boss who just keeps ringing you at different times or in the evening you know I know in Ireland anyway we've brought in this law about um it being your time off being protected but how can someone communicate those that need for a boundary without well, I guess because you want to seem you want to sound especially in COVID people are afraid of losing their jobs you want to sound committed you want to be reliable but you want to have respect for yourself and say no I'm off now or no this is I'm, I'm saying no to this this is one thing too many and actually if I say yes to this it's going to like something else is going to suffer the work I do on this is going to suffer because I can't do everything I can do anything but I can't do everything so this is all very well and good for me to say as someone who works for themselves um or someone who writes about this but when you're actually in the thick of it with someone who's difficult it's easier said than done yeah I mean it really comes down to communication and again if someone doesn't understand that like that's I mean I know that we can talk about all of the different solutions and the reality of how things play out can be very different but I do think I mean now more than ever like if you're not about balance for your employees or you know work-life balance and all that you're really not on the same page as the rest of the world so I think it's important to you know for instance when you're going on holidays it's important to communicate to the relevant people I'm out of the office at these times um, and I'll be able to answer the email when you come back so you've communicated to everyone so you're not just literally accountable yourself the rest of the team know and everyone's on the same page on a day-to-day basis if your manager is constantly ringing you ideally when you start a job which is actually can be actually the toughest time because you're getting to know everybody but you can say look I noticed this week we were having a couple of calls during the day um I in terms of my deadlines it's I'm going to have to put focus on working from like nine to two let's say on on whatever I'm working on and maybe we could have a catch-up call at four o'clock every day for like 20 minutes to cover everything rather than having all of these uh, little calls. Now, that would be nice for you to be able to say, but again, if you're going to get a personality of someone who doesn't understand that, um, it's going to be a bit more difficult. But at the end of the day, 
it's important that you communicate it. And then if it's not working for you, I'm not saying you change jobs or anything, but maybe there's someone else that you have to go to. Like if you're talking to someone and you feel like you're talking to the wall or they have a completely different style of work, like they might literally not have any life and just be working all the time because that's just what works for them. And sometimes managers then expect that of their employees, but it kind of has to be brought up and communicated. And if they're not the people to communicate it to, you need to go to someone else if possible. Okay. Which I know actually is really hard to play out, but yeah. it's important to let people know that, you know, like either we can be on the phone or, you know, things aren't going to get done in a way, like obviously in a very yeah. um, professional way. It all comes back to communication, I think. And again, say, being able to say, look, this is too much for me or I, I need to take more ownership of my, my time. That again is another sign of confidence. So I think, you know, as a manager, you would respect that someone has respect enough for their role and and that they're not just going to let it all go to shit because they want to please you because they care about the work they're doing and that shows in in you I mean this is how I would respond to it that shows in you saying listen this is too much right now or listen I need to this my time would be better spent here and um, but something that I've I've found helpful when when, it's, when you're trying to convey something um maybe that's not working for you is to to like what you said there to really come not just by saying this is crap this I don't like this but to come with a solution or a suggestion of what might work better and then see if they'll meet you halfway and then review it or something like that so just have the confidence to to to, to bring it up to say it and and to, to think well what would work better like don't give your boss any more work to do by having to figure out how you manage your time yeah exactly and make it something collaborative like the thing about it is a lot of the time people don't actually know how they are you know or how they come across in in work so they may not be aware that they're ringing you every 10 minutes they might just be thinking of their own their own day so then they're like oh I need to ring Jane I need to ring Jane oh I need to ask this person but for you you could be getting 10 calls an hour and that's not going to work for you so in a performance review I mean a lot of companies now have where you write down feedback for the manager as well I know a lot of people are afraid to put things in writing it really depends on your comfort zone and you might have to practice getting a bit comfortable um having these conversations like I work with people basically I have a relationship management consultation and we do this it's either with a colleague who's like bullying them or a manager who just doesn't understand you know the kind of barriers and the the limits the limitations that they may need to have in terms of interacting with their employees or it could just be conflict in the workplace and if you need advice around how to structure that once you kind of get it and you have an idea you don't have to worry about the fear of it anymore because you can see the the positive impact it will have on you and your day so it's it's about getting perspective and maybe a bit of help around shaping how you would like to go about that but the 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 main point here is for you to make sure that you're asking for what you need obviously it have to, has to be within reason but at the end of the day you can't be accepting calls all day and not getting your work done that's going to make you like doubly anxious and is there a point that someone would get to where you would say, look, if this is what you're experiencing in terms of burnout, maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board and look at, is this really how you want to be spending your time? Because, I mean, I have a lot of friends who who are so talented and they work in jobs that are so demanding and it's just relentless and they love the work, but they just can't cope with the the volume and the expectation and the lack of boundaries. Um, But it's, I don't know how they'll ever... I don't know what will ever change because it just seems to be such a culture thing. Like we can only can control ourselves in this massive environment where it might be something that's got to change from the from the top down. But is there is there a point or is there would there be signs where you would say, you know, even if you like the work, this is going to start really doing more harm than good. And maybe you should think about leaving. Yeah, I mean, it com- it comes down to the percentage of time that it's impacting you. 
Um, so it's kind of like Sunday fear. If you're feeling that one Sunday every couple of months, that's a different story. Whereas if you're feeling it every Sunday and every night, then you have to look about at it breakdown you know what is it that's actually triggering that and then looking at addressing it and sometimes you think that you are a certain candidate and that you'd fit into a certain culture and then you go in there and you only really know what it feels like when you're sitting in the seat you don't even get a full glimpse in the interview because everyone can say one thing and, and another of how it actually is so it's about going in and then allowing yourself like I'm trying this out and I'm going to see and if you're feeling like you know it's not working for you like why not find the thing that does work for you and I know that sounds very simple but there's no need to be afraid of of looking for a change if something's not working for you because it literally is only going to negatively impact you and then when people find a new job and new culture and they they drum up and design their search around making sure that they vet based on the things that they need in their workplace next you should see like they're so empowered they're so confident they work much better and they just find like-minded people who they can work better with. Like you're not expected to be able to work with every personality yeah. or every person. That's just like not how life works. So sometimes it's a bit of a testing the water and a couple of, of areas. This was, yeah. I mean, this was it for me. This was, you know, me going into an environment that I thought sounded like something I wanted to do it was a startup culture. It was, you know, all or nothing. There was no boundaries. There was, it was all blurred lines and it just, it didn't suit me at all, but I felt like it not suiting me meant that I was a failure, that I wasn't capable or that I was weak. And I only now have the confidence to say that style just isn't for me. Like I just, it's just not. But I know a lot of people listening maybe don't have the confidence to realize, well, maybe there's certain styles that suit them better without it having to mean that you're a failure or you're less than because you can't hack a 70 hour week. I mean, none of us should be able to handle that. It's not it's not a badge of honor. It's not, it's not good for us to be, to be doing that. It's not good for us not to have any boundaries between work and, and, and home life. You know, it's, it's really important. Yeah, I think had 100%. I known, had I allowed myself to say, look, let's see how this works for you. I probably wouldn't have experienced anxiety to the extent that I did, because I thought I've accepted this job now. I have to do it. I'm here for the rest of my life. You know, I took it as such a, a sentencing and that just t- caused this storm to brew inside of me and you have to ask yourself you know what's keeping you there like I had a client recently and and we we literally spent most of the time saying god you know what's actually keeping me here and what you realize from that is like so profound for like an next move or for managing your day-to-day if you're not going to be moving so it's about like I know I say and even said it in the last podcast too about you know bringing it back to yourself but I know we're all, you know, in Ireland, there's this theme of like, you're so lucky to be employed. And of course, everyone's lucky to be employed, but you do have choice. You don't have to go to work to somewhere that doesn't suit you. And to be honest, I think you're failing yourself a little bit if you allow yourself or not allow yourself, but if you maybe don't, like it's hard to address it, but give yourself the chance to address it because you want to rectify something. It's not, something isn't working for you. It's it's the same as if you were gluten intolerant, you wouldn't continue to eat something that didn't serve you. You'd change your diet. So if something, and it's not just about upping your your tools and changing job every 10 minutes. This is why I work with people to really exhaust and break down every aspect first so that there's understanding with your decision-making going forward, whether it's just a tweak in your job currently or a full change, but at least you've understanding. And then with understanding, you become a different candidate and you can work um, better to carve out the the career that you actually want, including culture and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get stuck into imposter syndrome, probably the biggest driver of anxiety in work um, next to maybe conflict and burnout. I think it's something we've all experienced. And just from from my understanding and all, what everything I've written about, I would kind of define it as 
the feeling of being at odds with yourself with so the, the version of yourself that you bring to work or that you put out to the world is at odds with how you see and feel about yourself privately so there's a discrepancy there um and the feeling that you're underqualified or you're you know in a role that you shouldn't be in or that you're going to be found out all these really not nice feelings and yeah I suppose just love to get your take on that and on how you would approach dissolving some of that imposter syndrome yeah, so it's definitely something that a lot of people experience and some people mightn't even be aware that it's actually something that, it, or, you know, the name of it or that it exists. So what it really is, is when you just think maybe you're a fraud in work, you feel a bit ina- inadequate and you've just kind of led yourself to believe or you've kind of woken up believing that something is a misfit around your um, capability. So my I kind of broke this down because, I mean, we've all experienced it, to be fair, Um and I think that, you know, you someone you have to ask yourself, like, why try and put the evidence behind it? Like, why am I feeling like this? So if I feel underqualified or not good enough, like, has someone said that to me? Um, am I telling myself that? Is it that you're overwhelmed in work and the, the job is just not what you thought it would be? Do you feel like maybe you're underskilled a little bit? Maybe your product knowledge isn't there or just in general, is that the kind of person you are that whenever you tackle something, you might just have a little bit of a vibe of not feeling that you're good enough. So I would say that checking in on the narrative you're surrounding yourself with or that you're surrounded by. So like, for instance, sometimes this can come unconsciously from a manager. Let's say they're like, God, you did great there, but you know, you could have done that. Or you got an A there, you could have got an A plus. Like all that narrative can build up over years and actually kind of create this feeling of feeling inadequate. So offsetting imposter syndrome is something that I really try and focus on more than actually focusing on the imposter syndrome. So what I mean by that is if I wake up this morning and I say, God, I'm really tired. And then I keep telling myself I'm tired. Like I'll be exhausted (laughs) by the end of the day. So it's about thinking, okay, if I am feeling imposter syndrome I hopefully can maybe just name it a bit but not participate in it for too long and what I mean by that is for every time that you're feeling imposter syndrome or for every time that you feel you're inadequate and it does take a bit of work it's like it's probably similar to CBT just try and if I if you felt imposter syndrome or you can feel you've been in that space for like 10 minutes try and maybe get a piece of paper and write down something that can offset that 10 minutes so as I say if you were like God in that meeting, I really felt like I wasn't, you know, um, loud enough, or maybe I didn't participate enough, or whatever. So you either write down, oh, actually I did. I spoke for five minutes, and I thought I made really good points. Or else you say, oh, for the next meeting, I'm actually going to prepare and have two points in my back pocket to participate in that meeting. So what you're doing is you're moving from just sitting in the space, which I know it takes a bit of work, to actually an action point to help you and to try and bring back that confidence. Because a lot of the time, it's literally inaccurate most of the time, which is the unfortunate thing. But the feeling can be very real. Yeah, I mean, and it's definitely more of a thing, I think, for women, um, because women statistically you know more so than men feel this need to have all of the qualifications and all the experience before they go into a job whereas a guy this is obviously massive generalization is more than happy to you know learn on the go and has it's more of a a confidence versus competence issue which I think can be a, a gender related issue but I think something for imposter syndrome is is really understanding the difference between competence and confidence and knowing that you can you know, competence can come, but confidence is something that you can work on. You know, you, you're not going to go into day one of a new job and, and have all the competence for a role you've never done before. 
but it's you're you're there because they obviously believe I mean if you've gotten to the interview process for sure you know the people interviewing you are smart enough to know that they think that you you're right for this they think you could do a good job so if you think that you can't then you're almost doubting that they think that you can't as well you know so maybe give a little credit to the fact that you've been put in this position because you obviously believe in you yeah and I think what if you can think about it this way right if you tell your yourself or feel like you're not good enough um again if you've got the job it's like an interview people say oh god I don't know if I'll get this and I'm like they're not interviewing everyone for the for the lot like they literally have selected people that they think they can do the job yeah so like an interview is really a meeting for you to reassure them that you can do the job it's not they, they've seen your CV they think you can do the job they just need to meet you for audit purposes and risks so that you're not a flight risk so I think it's important to just maybe for every time that you feel like that if it's recurring that it's in a meeting take note of like a pattern but just remind yourself of okay why was I at that meeting because they wouldn't ask people into a meeting for the lap either what did I participate in that meeting what could I maybe participate more in going forward what is it I would like to be how would I like to be in that meeting going forward or just in general in your day-to-day so if you note at the end of the day that you really felt you know not great all day you didn't feel good enough like try and just write down the things that you did get done the things you were comfortable with the job that you actually did get done now obviously if it gets really bad and you're finding you're not able to work that's something like that's probably a different story to career consulting it's probably something you need to look into further but it's really about it starts from the narrative with yourself which I know is flooded all over Instagram the whole narrative to ourselves but it really does remind yourself you're in the job you got the job for a reason what are the skills you have and then if there's something missing Maybe you want to go about um, trying to upskill or getting yourself more comfortable with your product knowledge, as I say. But it is really important for trying to do that balance where for every time you're questioning yourself, make sure there's a balance of evidence of what you have brought to the table as well. Yeah, for me, I mean, if there's a gap between how you feel about yourself and what you're expected to put out there, it makes sense that you would bridge that gap or bring those two versions of yourself closer together. And it doesn't mean you're, you know, a vulnerable crying mess in work who's saying oh god I'm such a fraud it can just mean finding for me finding moments in your day where you can vocalize your vulnerability and, and that could just be like we said already you know being like oh well I don't have all the answers and, and the person at the top job at the top desk they also don't have all the answers which is why they have a team around them to help them fill in those gaps so we all have those gaps in our knowledge and it's okay to vocalize that there's something you're unsure of or you know just because so this you know for someone who's in a managerial position you're not going to have all the answers for the person your employee all the time and we need to get comfortable with that we can't be oracles we can't be all-knowing all-seeing and we need to get comfortable with sometimes feeling that we're not quite sure and that doesn't have to mean we're incapable of doing our job it just means that there's always some learning or some growth to be had and that's that's true of anyone at any level I think yeah and it's it's you and the job and they're two different things coming together so I guess it's similar to like a partner or a friend you know you can look at it that way and say okay why do I want to be friends with this person? Like, why do I want to work in this job? Why does this culture, and you know, you can ask yourself these questions once you settle in or if you're down the line and evolving and looking for a change, you know, what's what's still working for me and what's not working for me and what is triggering this imposter syndrome because it's it's not coming from nowhere. Now, it could be just you as a person that you are maybe wired that way a little bit and it's something that maybe you want to address. And But again, it'll, it will come down to putting evidence behind those thoughts so that you can actually see them for for the the thoughts that they actually are and putting a bit of accuracy um and and being realistic with yourself about what your capabilities and wants are and i think if you focus on yourself and develop your own 
wants and needs from your career as you get to know it a bit better and get your, to know yourself and your comfort zone a bit better you can kind of map that out a bit better you know and what would be the benefit or is there any of vocalizing your imposter syndrome to maybe someone a colleague who you trust um, and just I guess normalizing the fact that this is such a common feeling and either getting validation or reassurance or just the idea that oh, well someone else also feels this way like would like what you've discussed there everything is quite um like just working on yourself as an individual where would you see room for sharing and would you ever share it with someone like a a boss yeah I mean you have to be comfortable with who you want to share it with it depends on the level like because at the end of the day if I have imposter syndrome today and you came on being like oh my god you're fantastic you know I might still have that so it's it kind of has to come from within a little bit more than externally but I do think that for example meetings and things like that um you could say god I don't know now if like would you have any recommendations or any feedback so asking people for feedback on you know how you did a pitch or you know how they structured their day or whatever it is that's maybe triggering the imposter syndrome certainly I would look outside for any recommendations or templates similar to the emails you know that we talked about earlier but I suppose one thing about that is you really do have to be comfortable with people around you that they're going to understand where you're coming from and that they're not going to I don't want to say use it against you, but at the end of the day, work is like can be more of a professional place than those conversations can be allowed sometimes. And you have to what I mean by that is that you have to make sure that the person who's going to be listening to you actually understands how to deal with that information, because if you tell Sarah and she's only in the job for two months, how do you know yet that Sarah is not going to escalate this and gossip about it and make you even feel worse? So I think it's about finding your people your tribe and then if you want to talk about it there or else it might be a cousin or other people so that you know find you'll know the people who you feel comfortable sharing it with and just getting a bit of perspective but yeah I absolutely think is sharing is good but just make sure that you the person will be able to manage the information and that you're going to feel comfortable um after sharing that if that makes sense okay all such amazing advice. Is there anything else that you find comes up a lot in turn in terms of anxiety in the workplace that we should touch on that maybe I've forgotten to touch on there? I think that sometimes you can have, um, not to get into bullying, but I do think sometimes colleagues will have people who don't, you know, they might pass comment or they might be um, jibing at people or, you know, you know, I find when people come back from maternity leave, sometimes you might have someone who has taken your role mm, and maybe a there's a bit one. of conflict around that handover. So I think it's about, you know, territory sometimes in work can be something that comes up where people are either intimidated by someone else um, or else they just don't know how to work with someone. So actually being within a team. So I think it's important to try and not um, take things personally, even though that's that can be quite hard. But just to try and take the emotion out of it for a second, and it's similar to what we've been talking about with managers and different things. But if you are in a situation where you're working with someone and there's, it's just a very difficult situation to like get through the day, and they're they're really not just a nice um, team member. Try and maybe um, take note. Don't be afraid to ask for help if you feel it is something that's really impacting you. But just make sure you have your kind of homework, and you know you can present. You know these are the seven times this happened or whatever it would be and then make sure again that you're not um jumping the gun on 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 it in terms of understanding the person you know if they're having one bad day you know you don't need to maybe escalate it straight away if it's a pattern fine um but i think again not taking it personally remove the bias and just say okay this is this is really impacting me this is why and then how can you come up with a solution 
which again, I know sounds very formulated and all easy for us to say on the call here. Definitely get perspective. I wouldn't necessarily be gossiping around the office, but just try and ask yourself like, okay, what's going on here? And, and maybe have a conversation with the person. And if that doesn't work, then you'll know to escalate it. Um, but yeah, that can be, do you know when someone's in work and they're kind of treating you poorly, but like, it's not enough to be like, oh, I'm going to HR. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard area to be in and hard seat to sit in. But if it's impacting you day to day, so something you want to rectify. It's harder, it's harder, perhaps even more if if the person that you're feeling you're on the receiving end of it from is, is your manager. And there may be, you know, in order to resolve the issue, if it did get bad, you'd have to go over their head to another to their manager if there is another level and it can feel really isolating when when you know there's nowhere else to turn to because if, if it was if it's a colleague to colleague on the same level if it gets really bad you can take it somewhere but apart from talking to your just venting to your colleagues or trying to look for support or reassurance or comfort you kind of probably feel like you're at a bit of a dead end with 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 when it's you know I think plenty of people have, we've all had difficult bosses we've we've all felt at times well not maybe not we've all but a lot of people have felt maybe personally on the receiving end of 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 a difficult manager and it's very very hard not to take that home with you it's very hard not to make it personalized when personalization is such a characteristic of an anxious mind yeah and it can completely feel like it's actually your existence like you're going into work expecting it and it can be very distracting and disruptive to your day. But I think if you can't find, if you're looking around and you can't find someone who you think would be able to help you, um, it's not to, again, pack the bags and leave, but like, is that a culture then that isn't working for you? So if people, if you're working for a company and they don't know how, to, I mean, all companies have had years of this and they've had to build policies and have conversations and all of that. So if there isn't a structure around you of support, where you can be free to voice your concerns. You know, people have buddies now, they've mentors, they've um, career people within the company to actually have these conversations in isolation from their team. So, you know, maybe it's about seeking out a company where you do feel there is that support. And for everyone listening, like that, that is something that you should maybe think about when you are considering a job or even in a job, like what is the infrastructure around me that's supporting me if I am feeling like going to work is actually such a, a burden and, and very difficult for you. Um, sometimes it's worse to be sitting in a place where you don't feel like you've support. That's like a double whammy then. Yeah. Wow. God. Or if behavior is tolerated in a company, you know, that that's another thing. What is my company tolerating and does that work for me? Okay. Linda, Barry, thank you so much for such incredible and um, like really practical advice. We're not just talking around in circles about, you know, very real issues. We're trying to give people something to take away and maybe apply to, to their situation. So I hope people get something from this. I certainly did. Um, I wish I could go back to my 20 something year old self and, and apply a lot of that. Give myself that empowerment to know that I can say, actually, this style of working doesn't suit me. This kind of culture isn't for me. And it doesn't have to mean that it's because I'm not able for it or because I can't hack it. It's just different strokes for different folks. And when you find what works for you, then you can really flourish, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, times are changing. And I think coming out of COVID, obviously, it's not in writing, it's certain. But if an employer isn't about work life balance and support and that, you know, they're really on a different page and chapter. So just try and, you know, be comfortable with, you know, if you are feeling unhappy in work, whether there's different conflicts, you know, take note of it, put a, a bit of perspective around it. But, yeah, no, it's been great to come on and I'm really um, thankful that you've brought me back on to have this chat because it is something that comes up a lot. And if people are feeling um, overwhelmed out there, you know, feel free to reach out to me and have a conversation. But um, yeah, so where can people find you just as a reminder? 
Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Linda Barry underscore career consulting, and my website will be out in the next three to four weeks. So that'll be a much easier way to contact. But for now, it's Instagram and my email is lcbconsulting at outlook.com. Okay, amazing. Well, this is going out um, as part of season six. So by the time it's out, I'm sure your website will be up and running and people can find you there. But you've given them all of the different avenues. So yeah, I can't thank you enough. So appreciate it. And yeah, you're brilliant as always. Thank you so much, Linda. Thanks, Caroline. Have a great day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.